Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. Uh, we're here today with Dr. Holly Wee, new faculty member at the School of Nursing, UofL. Welcome, Holly. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It's definitely been my honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, we're, we're delighted to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your position here at the nursing school and your background? So um, I'm a professor and uh, assistant dean for the PhD program at the School of Nursing. So I joined University of Louisville School of Nursing last July, 2021. Um, so right now is about 10 months. So I, I was very excited to be here, and it's a, such a wonderful place at the School of Nursing and Louisville. I love Louisville, and I feel like in the downtown area, you have the urban, and you have the rural, you have the vibrance, and it's just, I'm right beside the Big Four Bridge. Oh, wow, it's yeah. it's beautiful. I can see the Ohio River every day. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, and I feel like I'm on vacation every day. Will you tell us a little bit about your life before UofL? Yes, so I, I moved to Louisville last year, as I said, uh, from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, which is also a vibrant college town, which is small. I really like the peace and quiet, uh, where I was, went to school, raised my family, and launched my career. I earned my PhD in nursing from UNC Chapel Hill and taught at North Carolina since then. Uh, my graduating PhD advisor was Dr. Kristen Swanson who developed the Swanson Karen theory. After acquiring my PhD, I had a postdoc training with Dr. Jean Watson, who is the theorist for Watson Human Karen theory and the founder of the Watson Karen Science Institute. So because of my passion and the training, I'm very compassionate about organizational culture, leadership development, and health promotion for both parents and healthcare providers. I used objective measures to have linked organizational culture, leadership capabilities, and skills to clinicians' work environments, engagements, patient care quality, and clinicians' epigenetic biomarkers. So now we can see caring is not just a called a quote unquote soft science, but also make a difference in patient care quality, patient experience, work environment, organizational culture, and down to the bottom line, the finance, the money. Absolutely. Because with the Medicare, Medicaid, and insurance, right now, hospital, if we have these readmission rates within 30 days, and also the HCAP scores, which is the consumer rating of the healthcare providers and environment, if it's low, we don't get the money we would like to. So now we want to see really the caring piece really make a difference. We can link that to the dollar value, which is 
really the bottom line. Yeah, I was going to say that reminds me a lot of an earlier podcast we did with Dr. Brad Shuck, where he talked about work determinants of health and all the things that he was looking at about how work impacts your the culture work impacts you in a physiological process and so that sounds like a, a lot of the same work that you're looking at and, and it sounds like work impacts in your case patients yes and their and their outcomes so it doesn't impact just the worker but the patient you're caring for as well and their outcome is better in terms of readmission rates and and other markers that we from a finance standpoint would look at in terms of reimbursement then Absolutely, because the HCAP score, sometimes we used to be like 25% of the reimbursement and gradually changed because of the focus every year or you know periodically. So what I did, uh, there are a couple of articles. One of them I want to mention is connecting patients' perceptions of nurses' daily care actions, organizational human caring culture, and overall hospital rating in hospital consumer assessment of healthcare providers and system surveys, which we short for HCAPS. So in that, we showed the connection between just like a smile, the communication, just going there to see hello, and that actions, give me medications and talk about discharges, and then that make a difference with the HCAPS. So it's not just being nice. For being nice sake, there's real patient outcomes that come from that. Being nice has a price value now. Well, <laughs> I, love I it. know if you've ever been a patient in a hospital oh. and been ill with anything or had surgery, boy, you look forward to the visits from the nurse and you, you hope she's in a good mood. That's right. right. Because uh, these very stressful jobs, they've always been stressful or even more stressful now. Patients can see, oh, can yeah. feel the energy you bring to the room or to the hospital, to the organization. And we talk about organizational culture. I was like, what is organizational culture? It's the people mm-hmm. who is in the organization. That's what made the organization vibrant or caring. It's organization, if you don't have people, it's just a building. Mm-hmm. But it's the people, the work environment in there, that's called organizational culture. So each one of us, make it can make a difference i was going to actually ask how did um for the study that you just talked about how did you measure um you know like the behavior or the niceness that that the um, nursing staff had with patients so that's a very good question for press Ganey, which is a company who distributes these hcap scores in 2017, 2018, they added five questions. That's actually my postdoctoral mentor, who is Dr. Jean Watson, for added five. The um, they collaborated with the Watson Karen Science Institute, added five Karen-based questions into the scale. So of course, the each cap they have their own categories of the communication, uh, the the cleanness, and the answer the call bell, the care. And then we added the five other caring-related questions into that. So then we were able to look at the nurses' actions, the caring-related actions, and then we want to we use that questions with the patient scores to see whether that caring piece changed correlated with the patient's reading with other mm-hmm. aspects of the hospital. And we did find a significance. I was going to bring up the fact you recently published a new book, and it's called Visionary Leadership in Healthcare. And my question, what got you interested in um, leadership in the healthcare environment? So 
my interest in writing this book actually came from my students in graduate programs focusing on leadership. Their knowledge and experience of what isn't working in the healthcare led to my interest in exploring then what is working and what we need to do differently to improve. So that's really what brought me to this leadership. Before that, actually, of course, I was in that arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, I taught a doctorate, a graduate leadership courses. As I mentioned about my interest because of the compassion, you know, my passion for organizational culture, that leadership is right in there. Mm-hmm. And I always see leadership as like a, the captain of a ship. Without that, the ship would, would not know which direction we are going. So the captain has to have a clear vision to see that's where we are going. And then the ship can see, yes, let's go together. And without that, the ship will stay where it is. So I really think we get that vision. I really want to clarify that vision or highlight the vision. We have to have that vision to that hope to see, to guide the organization, the healthcare, where we are going. Um, so while I was teaching courses on leadership development, I was really looking for a book not only teaches the capabilities or the actions, but also looking at the hum- uh, leadership from a humanistic perspective to see where the compassion come from, to see where the caring piece in there. And we all talk about, sometimes we hear, I would not see leaders, I would see managers to see, well, this is purely business. There's mm-hmm. nothing personal. I just want to talk to you about this. But I, I want to see that there's no pure business. There's always relationship. There's always a human interaction in there to any kind of, a, I would say, business. Right. Let's see, healthcare is definitely, but let's see just business alone. You know, that's really the business. And when we sign the contract, what do we do after we sign the contract? Mm-hmm. We shake hands. Yeah. When we shake hands, that means I trust you and we can do business together. And even before the contract was made, why we were chosen, why your company, why your organization was chosen. So that means the, you feel the energy between one another mm-hmm. and I feel comfortable, I trust you. So that's relationship in there. Um, So that's the business, even the business, we do business with that model, interactions and human connections. Why not healthcare? Healthcare is a purely human being, humankind business. And we care for one another, the, you know, the clinical uh, clinicians are humans, our patients, families, we all dealing with the, not just business, we deal with the human being, humankind the interaction, the relationship got to be in there. So who do you see as the primary audience for your book? And I'm thinking both in terms of um, specialties, but also is this for people who are interested in leadership or do you see a broader audience than that? So the primary audience when we developed, of course, when at that time I was teaching graduate programs, I was like, I got to have a book for the graduate courses. If I keep teaching this, I want to have this leadership covers practice, covers ethics, covers um, uh, policy. Because when we do this, we have to have all this together, how to practice in the practice, ethics and policies. So I would see the primary audience can be graduates, can be nursing students or medical students or anyone related to healthcare professionals. 
and also the ones like a clinicians in the practice. Um, as a matter of fact, I was in a, a conference just last week also. I went to the Creating a Healthy Work Environments conference. So I met a chief nursing officer there at, a conference, at that conference. And she even wanted to buy this book to give to nurse leaders mm -hmm. for her hospital, like for, as a nurse's week, yes. a gift. And so there's a lot of opportunities. And one organization may also in, uh, use for leadership training because they have the annual leadership training. And also some, we have this organization we call Leadership Academy. And they also may look at, they can, might be also benefit from this book. You know, I did get a chance to kind of look at the table of contents. And I noticed that our the dean for the nursing school. Um, dean Harden? Dean Harden, yes. Okay. Her. Um, she was uh, one of the co-authors on a chapter of your book. So how did that collaboration come about? Well, Dee Harden and I, we, we had a long history working together from back in North Carolina. Um, so uh, Dee Harden has, has, has had many years of leadership experience in hospital and academic environments. She has been involved in designing interventions for traumatized practice environments. Um, thus, she specifically asked to do a chapter focused on traumatized work environments. So her chapter's name uh, is called Leadership Roles in Mitigating Organizational Trauma. Another article uh, we wrote together, actually Dr. Jin Watson, uh, Dean Harden and I, we wrote called uh, Unitary Care and Science Resilience Building Model. A lot of my work are based on, is based on the Watson's human care theory. So we used her theory and to see what can we do to utilize, to combine the care theory and the resilience building. So we build a resilience building model just based on the 10 creators. We see for this one, what leaders can do or what we can do to each other to really uplift one another and to build our resilience. Can you tell us a little bit about the human caring theory? Yeah, so when Dr. Jin wants to develop that, you know, nursing, we have been divide, defined as a Karen. Nursing is defined as Karen, and her Karen, uh, the Watson human Karen theory, is really helps us embrace the positive energy that flows from integrated mind, body, and spirit, and the mutual transparent relationship, like interpersonal relationship. So that really is the guidance for the caring piece. And she also developed caring moment because of the, anytime we are having interpersonal relationship and we can develop a caring moment. Mm -hmm. So that's really what the human caring is about to see we can utilize all interactions with, within humankind and to develop the caring moment. As a clinical nurse, um, and I was working with the congenital heart patients, who patients with a congenital heart disease and having open heart surgery. So one night, uh, the baby was sleeping in the crib, and uh, they were supposed to go home that morning. And it's already after midnight, and I went in to make my rounds, and the mom was still kind of up and staring outside the dark window, the dark sky. And I was like, are you, what happened? You are not, not sleeping, your baby is sleeping. And she said, um, I, I can't sleep. 
I said, "What happened? You are going home in the morning, supposed to be happy, and you know your baby is doing well, and she still has that worry、mm-hmm. about this baby. What's going to happen after they go home? They were in the hospital. They got cared for, and then so at that moment, I just sat down beside her and started talking about the day, you know, her day that day." And her plan, her dream about her family, the baby, and you know, just give her a chance to really express herself. So that a moment, I can easily see. Well, your baby is doing well. What are you worried about? Yes,、right. go back to sleep. That's right. But but because of the caring, and what what we did is like as a nurse, I sat down beside her. And give her that caring moment she、right. needed at that time, and to express. So afterwards, my coworker came and said, "Are you doing okay?" You know, I was there for a little bit. I said, "Yeah, yeah,、well, I'm doing okay." And then after that, she put her hand on mine and said, "Thank you very much for listening." And now I can go to sleep. In the business of healthcare,、yeah. it's not like any other business because you're dealing with people at a time when they're tremendously vulnerable. There's fear, there's uncertainty. Even if things are going well, there can be fear and uncertainty, as you pointed out with this mom and her baby. But in her mind, she's worried because she's been in an intensive care unit maybe for weeks, and now the care is going to fall to her. And what if she does it wrong? And so, there's power in being deliberate and being mindful and being fully with someone. And I think that's what you're describing is. The the ability to be in the moment with someone, see them in a way other than simply as a mother of a patient, see them as someone in need, someone that's hurting, and then no technology, no science, no computer, just sit there、yeah. and ask her questions and talk to her and be one with her for a, for a brief moment. It probably didn't take you five or ten minutes to do that, but she might still remember that you walked into that room and did that. Kind of,、uh, I call it a care model because I really kind of extracted that up and inductively. So the care stands for uh, competence, um, altruism, responsibility, and empathy.、Mm. So what nurse the phys- the parents that time they look at I call the caring characteristics of nurses and physicians. So we have to have. The competent knowledge. We have to know what we are doing. Professional knowledge, and then we have to be altruistic, be responsible, and also respectful at that time, and empathy, empathetic. So we have to have these characteristics to make. I always see caring is kind of a conveyor belt. Oh, you know the cells. Sometimes when we treat. It doesn't matter if it's cancer or certain illness. The cell you have to really knock down the barrier to be able to get inside. So I think a caring is that opening, opening, ah,、um, uh-huh, so that they can get the knowledge in there, can get the message into patients. So what role do you think healthcare leaders have in maybe establishing an organizational culture that facilitates that? I always see, you know, we I talk about these healthy work environments. We all talk about the healthy work environment every occasion. And think about I when I when I give presentation, I always have a beautiful garden, 
and a desert garden, you know, the dehydrated garden. We all want to go into this organ uh, uh, organization that is beautiful and very nice to one another and so caring and supportive. I said, well, this garden is beautiful. It's because everybody's in their work hard and to make this organization beautiful. But if we don't contribute to it, and then the garden in, in the hearts summer will be not, does not take a week, even maybe a couple of days will be really dying with weeds and all this. So leaders, I want to see that it's like a gardener. And it takes us the caring, it takes us the, the meticulous observation and action to care for the plants there. And also to make us, to make it beautiful. So leaders, I would see is that when you see some behaviors not suitable, like the weed, we may go ahead and take, take care of that. If you don't, the weed can take over the garden. Holly, I really like that illustration uh, about the gardener and, and um, how they impact the environment uh, of that garden. Uh, you know, we often talk about uh, how leaders cast a shadow in an organization, good or bad shadow. And leaders have to be cognizant of the fact that they do cast that shadow and people are queuing off of them. And especially, I think, when providing medical care. Um, whether you're a nursing leader, physician leader, administrative leader, no, no matter what your role in the healthcare system, it's beyond making money, it's beyond simply providing operations or administering medications or preventing adverse drug events. I mean, it, it's just beyond all of that because there is this caring component to it that's not just good in and of itself, but it's good because it's better for the patient to come out with those kinds of feelings from their nurse, from their um, uh, uh, clinic manager, if they're in an outpatient setting, from their physician. And, and I think what you're, what you're talking about and what your book describes is so very important for, for leaders of all kinds in the healthcare system. When a nurse or any provider does something for someone, have you looked at or have people researched what is it, what comes back to the provider of that care? Because it's two ways, right? It's not simply, I did a good thing and I helped my patient. Doesn't the patient give something back to you? I'm very glad you mentioned that. So when I, every time I talk about we, we care for others, and we say we are burn burnout, and also we are a giving profession. And I always want to see that we do not want to develop that victim mentality. We want to see we are not a victim. When we give to others, when we care for others, we are also the beneficiary. Because when we give to others, actually what we do is our body develop or create that called oxytocin, activate our oxytocin pathway. So when that happens, we've, that's the, called a happy hormone. You know, the, the, the baby, de deliver the baby, then after that your milk come, and then you try to hold the baby, because body needs that oxytocin level, the rush, so that we can really cuddle the baby. So 
when we help others, our body, also our brain knows that we we develop that uh, we that oxytocin, serotonin, the adrenaline, and all those happy hormones, and we are bathed with that. So I would see is that don't don't just see we're giving, and things always are two ways. I want to maybe send a call to see when we give. Tell your brain I am receiving as well because when I think about it, what I always give my my student uh, example. I ask my students, what made or nurses I would see give. I said, what made you graduate as from a master program, from a doctor program, and what what takes for you to graduate? And they will see you know a diploma. I said, well, yes, a diploma. You just see, I finished all these many credit hours and got my diploma. And they can easily, uh, this is the story I heard from others, but I just use it because it's really relevant. And I said, they can easily, right now with the email to see, congratulations, here's your diploma, and you, you finish your degree. And of course, you just I finish. But what do we do here? We have this com- school convocations. We have the university ceremonies and the graduation ceremony. What do we do? We invite our family, our loved ones, all come. We dress up and the family dress up. And the, after that, we go for dinner or lunch. And we make a, such a big deal of it. Because why? And because we want to see, to, to take that moment as a happy moment. And it's the same thing. So the serotonin is that it's not only when we do something and we feel the, the oxytocin or serotonin rush, is when we see others doing well, we feel the same way. When the parents or the, the spouse or children, they see you walk on the stage, they're also like, oh, I'm so happy. Even our, for example, five-year-old graduate from kindergarten, kindergarten <laughs> we will be like, oh, my baby, yeah, graduation, you know. So we are so happy just to see baby crawling or something. For nurses, we are naturally, for nurses, for clinicians, or not only nurses, physicians and other allied health, the patient got up and to eat. They stand up, you know, to walk. And those are the moments we need. We are getting all those serotonin, getting that oxytocin, the adrenaline. We are getting the whole, those happy hormones, the endorphins. So take those moments, don't waste those moments, and we are the beneficiary. So that's what I really want to see is that if our brain is the brain, is what we put in there. And I really want to see that um, a quote is that in the garden of our mind, we can grow orchards or weeds. The fertile soil gives life to both. So it's up to us what we put in our brain is the positivity, and we reap what we sow. We all know that. If we put a positivity in there, we reap positivity. If we, if we put a negativity in there, we reap negativity. If we keep being in the environment, it's complaining and complaining and complaining, we end up draining all the energy out. But if we are in there to uplift one another, the positivity, and that's really what make a difference. Every time we talk to someone, we ask, what is something you would like our listeners to do next week after they hear the podcast? I really want to highlight the title of this program called Faculty Feed. And I remember you always see, come hungry. <laughs> and I always come hungry. 
and I listen to this podcast every morning and uh, when I do my routines. And so I really think for now, yes, we come hungry and we got the food right now. We had this half an hour listening of what we talked and we got this food. As we all know, once after we eat, we, we, what do we do? We have to digest. So that's what I really want the listeners to think about for the next week, before the next, next podcast shows up. <laughs> Maybe just to talk to one another and to really go deep with your thoughts, with your imagination, with your vision for a leader, what we can do. Or even, I mean, I see every, for a leader, a leader is not a position, it's the action we do. And to see what we can do, each one of us, and to make a difference. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu that's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.